I see red paint dripping down. And as we started walking out, I realised this is not paint, this is blood. The gangs were roaming around the emergency department looking for their enemies and they were still carrying their parangs and their knives and all that. Welcome to the Hot Pot, where we hop into different pots or spaces people find themselves in during life's transitions. I'm Joey. I'm Q. I'm Nick. And today we have a very interesting episode. We are going to be talking about medical emergencies and how to deal with them because I think it's something Ooh. that a lot of uh, us grown adults don't really know how to do. And assisting us uh, with that, we have Ren Zie from the SEDF. As well as Professor Marcus Ooh. from SGH to share more with us today. Welcome, welcome to Thank the Thank you, welcome. Hall. Thank you for the invite. So, Renzie, Professor Marcus, do you want to give us a quick intro about yourselves before we continue? Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, I'm Renzie. So, uh, I'm a fire officer and also a paramedic. Mm. So, I'm kind of a dual train in SCTF. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so uh, now I'm in the headquarters doing a lot of innovation projects, really mm. to spearhead all these tech projects uh, wow. to right. augment our guys on the ground. Wow. Right. wow. Sounds very cheap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it sounds like he's doing like, wow. Doing really? more of the policy mastery level now. So prior to that, it was more executional. On more operational go? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so you see in the ambulance, ambulance kind of Yes. Okay. So <laughs> the ambulance, the fire engine. So you've, you've seen things. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. we're gonna <laughs> get hear the story. Let's get into that. Yeah, yeah. I am Marcus. Uh, I'm an emergency physician and also a clinician scientist. So basically, my training is uh, specialized in emergency medicine. And I spent 30 years treating patients at the accident emergency departments. Wow. 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 Can I just yeah. say right, it's non-essential, essential, 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 non-essential. Because we're in media. We are the most non-essential. So you have also seen things, Mr. Marcus. Uh, so we always say that um, in emergency medicine, it's a reflection of the underside of society. So right. I see all the problems, hidden issues that come through the front door of the hospital. So this topic is actually really important because as a grown woman at 28, right? I honestly don't know what to do. Mm. Like if something happens to my family or friends, right? Mm. Panic mode straight. <laughs> so what are some common misconceptions that people have about like emergency services in Singapore? Actually, the first one right, is quite interesting. A lot of people seem to think that the ambulance, SCDF ambulance comes from the hospitals. Right. But actually, it's not. So our ambulances come from all the fire stations across Singapore. Oh. And the idea is to space out all the vehicles so that when there's an emergency happening at one point in time, then we will actually send the ambulance, the nearest ambulance to the location right. itself. Mm. How many fire stations do we have? We have about 23 fire stations now oh, in wow. Singapore. I didn't know that. Is yeah. there a specific distance from one station to another? There is, there is. So what we do is, of course, we try to map out as much coverage mm. as possible. So what we do is, aside from a fire station, we also pre-deploy our forward deploy our ambulances uh, and even our fire engines. We call it the Red Rhino yeah. at the HDB. So we have a fire post. Right. Oh. And then they will send you to nearest hospital, right? Yes, correct. So I think the, the myth, the first myth is uh, number one, yes, we send to the nearest appropriate hospital actually. Yeah. So not all cases we send to the nearest hospital. For example, if you are pregnant, you're having a childbirth emergency, mm. then we will actually send you to KK Hospital or NUH. Yeah, mm. Because right. they have the specialists there to handle such, such emergencies. Right, right, like right, for right. example, if you are a burn patient, uh. then we'll send to Fourth Marcus Hospital, SGH, because that itself is a burn, burn unit on its own. Wow. Oh. Have you guys ever encountered someone demanding I for a different hospital? hospital? Yeah. yeah, quite common. It's quite <laughs> common. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think the important thing is to have the trust in the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because really, if it's a, an emergency, yeah, mm. the most important thing is to get yourself stabilized first right. at the most appropriate hospital. And then after that, if you want to transfer to your own specialist, because mm. some of them, they do see a specialist, a permanent specialist in another hospital. Yeah. And they'd rather go over there. 
But right. then again, number one, you are, the, the time spent for an ambulance to send you to the hospital is even longer. Mm. And then you're actually depriving the public from another ambulance. Oh, I never yeah. thought about it that way. Right. So the people on the hotline would actually advise whether you should wait for the ambulance or go to a hospital yourself? Yeah, yes. that's correct. So they, we would actually um, advise people if you call 995 and uh, the dispatcher is actually trained to ask questions to be able to triage and sort out what is a real emergency and what is not. So actually, right, what is the most non-emergency thing someone has called in for, like for 995? Wow, actually there are a lot. Eh. Um, <laughs> but you ask me now off my head, uh, I had a case, uh, really it's like, uh, I think there was some argument. So they has been slapped on the face. <laughs> really just one small little no abrasion on the face uh, oh. not, no injuries but they insist to go to the hospital right, oh, no. right, right, right. i'm not sure why maybe the intention is uh, they want to do some follow-up actions is to scare the uh, the person the, the slapper oh. la. yeah i go to hospital yeah. you know like <laughs> but, but really slap, yeah. <laughs> then in in that case like okay for one triple seven right confession uh, i did not know about one triple seven um i think most singaporeans don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Honestly. so for one triple seven what are the sort of non-emergencies that people can call for because i'm seeing here right People got a headache also can call, can call 1777. Mm. Really? Yeah. If you can go to the hospital yourself, then basically it means you can call 1777 or so. Right. So let's say if you have a, you know, a minor fever, you're yeah. weak, but you are not in, a, you know, you're not big bound, for example. Right. Or you yeah. have a, some diarrhea. Typically, um, an emergency which would require a, a 995 ambulance will be something that is life-threatening. Mm. For example, a heart attack, a stroke, Blood a loss. person is unconscious, a car crash where mm. you know you have an injury to the central part of your body, mm. the head, the mm. neck, the chest. So yeah. actually, what's the difference between taking like a private hire vehicle versus calling 1777? And yeah, what, what's the sort of difference there? It's really if it's an emergency ambulance like SCDF, mm. then we will really attempt to reach you in 11 minutes. Ah, so okay, the response okay. time is way faster. I see. So if mm. your means is just to go to the hospital as a transport, mm. then maybe calling 1777 is a better option mm. than calling right. 995. And so talking about yeah. being on the road, right? I think one of the misconceptions that people have is that ambulances can run red lights. Is it true? Actually, it's quite true. So what happens is uh, in an emergency, and let's say the patient is, uh, we call it a priority one plus case, means it can be a cardiac arrest, uh, a stroke, right? So what we do is if you are stuck in a traffic jam and the situation allows, uh, we can actually beat the traffic light to mm. send you to the hospital as fast as possible. As a driver, right? Whenever I see an ambulance, especially when the lights are on, right? I always see them. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, that's the, the Singaporean style is you siam first, right? Then you follow behind the ambulance because oh. you can shortcut through the traffic. Life after hacks, that. Eh? <laughs> I never thought about that. Oh my goodness. So, so I must say that um, we still have a way to go in terms of educating our local drivers and road users how to give way to emergency vehicles. Mm. Um, I, I lived and worked in the US for two years. And um, once you hear an ambulance uh, or a siren at the back, all the cars will mm. actually clear a path for the ambulance to go through, no matter how bad the traffic jam is. Mm. Yeah. However, in Singapore, usually that is quite rare. Wow. But you want to know that if you don't give way to an ambulance, uh, you can actually- The offense, you. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So You're all ambulances move. with a camera. <laughs> so actually, what's the statistic? In a day, how many ambulances do you dispatch? Mm. Or how many calls yeah. do you get? So if I give you an overarching uh, stats, uh, about 2021 20, uh, period, right? We had about 210,000 calls a year. 210,000. Yeah. Wow. So if you divide okay. by 12 months, uh, actually in a month, you get about close to, even in a day, you get about 600-ish cases. Oh, so that's, that's quite significant. Wow, yeah. okay. And then during COVID, of course, we had a huge surge, about yeah. 15 to 20% surge in ambulance calls. And then that led up to about 250,000 
cost wow. a year. Wow. I, I would yeah. think that during COVID, it's exceptionally tiring for them because yes. after each patient, they need to sanitize. I mean, yes, anyway, you need to sanitize, but you need to change your Yes. But that's this a lot. Yeah, so it was very, very tiring, very draining. Imagine the hot, humid weather in Singapore. Yeah. Then you have to wear full gown, mask. Some at the start you even wore, wore like head aprons and stuff like this. Wow. Yeah. So it's really very hot now. But I think the mission is quite clear. Yeah. Really want to go and uh, help the members of public. Going to the US back and forth, people complain about how we have it bad in Singapore, right? Actually, our, our healthcare system, like every other mall or block I walk, right, is another clinic. Clinics are everywhere, so you never have to worry about a GP. No, then the AED also. Like recently, I did my CPR yes. AED training. Okay. You got check, you got check. During the course, right, then I found out that like we have AEDs everywhere. Yeah. Like all the HDB blocks, uh, the void index, all they have AEDs. And then there's an app, the My Responder mm, app. Mm, mm, mm. I've not saved anyone yet, but apparently like <laughs> this app will let you see if there's a medical emergency happening. Yeah, mm. Then if you are CPI AED certified, right, you can go and respond to like these emergencies. Because sometimes you are nearer to to like the emergency then then like you know waiting for an ambulance and things like that so you help to stabilize um whoever is having an emergency yeah. while like you know uh, uh paramedics and all that are on their way lah. so then they'll tell you like oh, okay yeah there's an emergency happening here and then like your closest aed is like 10 meters away wow so i was, it's so I was, cool, right? I was super amazed yeah. so actually prop because like for the my responder app right is there what what are we currently doing um in terms of like educating youths and Singaporeans on like being more involved and educating themselves on like you know uh, um CPR AED training? We are talking about the most severe emergency that uh, occurs, which is cardiac arrest. Mm. So in a cardiac arrest, a person's heart suddenly stops beating, and if nothing is done, every minute that there's no blood flowing to the brain your chance of survival actually decreases by 10%. So basically mm. within 10 minutes, your chance of survival is almost zero. Mm. And the fastest ambulance in the world, you know, can only get there maybe six, eight, 10 minutes, you know, time. Mm. And so this is where volunteers like yourself come in. You know, so we have now 150,000 volunteers mm. island-wide on the My Responder app. Basically, if there is a cardiac arrest or suspected cardiac arrest within 400 meters, we will actually activate that volunteer to go grab the nearest AED, mm. help start CPR and give the first shock um, mm. wow. before the ambulance arrives. A few years ago, right, I was having breakfast with my, my aunt at the coffee shop. And then suddenly halfway through the break, my, like breakfast, she looked at her phone and she's like, I need to go. <laughs> then I was like, we eating the, the fishbowl noodle halfway. And then she like, <laughs> suddenly like disappeared for like, for like one hour. So after she came back and then she said that like, oh, she went to like, she got a, a notification on the my responder app. Then oh she gosh. went to go and save the person. No, she casually saved a life while yeah. eating meat. Yeah. So she just like went like ball? two blocks. She like ran like two blocks away, then like saved the person. Then she came back and then she finished her meat. Then after yeah. that, the following week, right? Then she come on newspaper eh. Cause like the, she go to the CC and they give her like a medal. That could be you. That could be you. That could be you. Yeah, waiting, waiting. But so I feel like I'm a bit stressed also. Like, oh, if I really get, I like. Yeah. <laughs> so multiple people yeah. can run towards that area at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got here first. No, cause it's you need, me. ideally you have more than one person. Cause one person will need to start CPR. The other person will need to go and get AED and then oh. call the, call. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. It is a teamwork. Mm. And uh, you know, if there are more people actually to take turns to do CPR, that helps a lot because if you've ever done a CPR class before, yeah. it is super tiring. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what is encouraging is um, when I started doing research on cardiac arrest 20 years ago, our survival was very low, less than 2%. But through efforts like uh, my responder, you know, training more people in CPR, 
putting ADs in public places. Mm. We have now a survival rate of more than 25%. Mm. And in fact, every year we do a ceremony that we call so the Survivor Awards, yeah. where we will actually bring the survivors to meet their good Samaritan, the rescuer, mm. like your aunt. So hopeful. <laughs> yeah, so then she yeah. cried. <laughs> Who cried? Your aunt. aunt. Oh, she cried, yeah. oh my goodness. That's yeah. amazing. Mm. It's the best feeling to save a, a life. Uh, in yeah. all honesty. Mm. So I think mm. be, knowing what to do in emergency and getting some training and being willing to help uh, makes a lot of difference. I have a story to share. So 2018, I was on a hike with my husband, walking, walking, a lot of people, and I see red paint dripping down, but it was a lot, dripping a lot. And as we started walking out, I realised, this is not paint, this is blood. Question pause! Okay guys, today's question pause is going to be a bit different. Our experts here are going to quiz us based mm. on what we've learned today to see if Nick was listening. I'm going to crush it. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Crush in like spoil or good crush. Okay, winner get what? Winner get uh your next hospital stay upgrade, free upgrade to class A1. You can have it, you can have it. Kidding, kidding. That's a joke. Also, don't want to manifest. Okay, I'm gonna ask it now. What's the difference between emergency and non-emergency Make cases? Joke. Hey, the question I'm finishing. You know already, <laughs> right? Yeah, I heard you. Okay, emergency is life-threatening. And then some examples would be things like cardiac arrest, major trauma, if you slice off your finger, um, uh, limb yes. trauma. And then non-emergency <laughs> would be your life is not immediately threatened. So toothache, diarrhea. The question uh, very short on you. You win really. You win really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. Oh. No bonus points. Well, yeah. No answer. Crushing yeah. yeah. it. The questions are getting more challenging. Uh. Oh, oh okay. okay. So what are the alternatives besides calling SCDF emergency ambulance if you have non-emergency medical conditions? Nick. Yeah, okay. Nick. I forgot my name. Call police. Kill. Then police will total defense for you. Wrong, right? Kill. Wrong. GP. Go to GP. Yeah. Oh. Very good. Okay, don't call police. Yeah. Please don't, don't, call, don't call police. And don't forget nowadays we have uh, telehealth options as well, uh. where you can actually get a doctor online or oh. even get uh, some oh, medical right, right. teleconsultation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's the that. favourite thing for millennials these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. I use that also. We don't want to go downstairs, we yeah. tired. What does Operational Medical Networks Informatics Integrator also known as Omni do? What, oh, what does it do? Um, data and analytics storage. <laughs> it stores all our information inside. So actually Omni is the electronic medical informatics system that we have on our ambulances. Oh, and even really before correct. the ambulance arrives at the scene, we can tell if uh, the patient is having a, some underlying medical problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, also yeah. that information is shared with the hospital so that the emergency department can be alerted before arrival. Oh. We can pull in the vital signs from the uh, monitors on the ambulance right. or take pictures or even stream videos and uh, alert the hospital that, for example, a major trauma case is coming or a heart attack is coming. Wow. So important totally is when off. you call 995, our operators, after dispatching the ambulance, uh, they will actually ask for your NIC. So don't be too surprised because the purpose of them asking the NIC is mm. to allow our paramedics to assess yeah, uh, right, right. So who won? Uh, all, all fail. Yeah. <laughs> all, all fail. <laughs> I think data analytics store our information. All fail. I accept all fail. <laughs> okay, true or false? SCDF paramedics can assess and decide not to convey you to a hospital if it's a non-emergency. True. Absolutely true. So um, there may be situations where we would advise you that you know it's more suitable for you to 
actually consult a GP mm. or uh, you can actually uh, self-medicate mm. um, and we'll give you some other options rather than going to the hospital. Mm. So take the advice from our call centers. Uh, don't argue with them because uh, we kind of know what's best for you actually. Yeah. Mm. All right, true or false? You will receive immediate treatment if you get conveyed by ambulance to the emergency department. Joey, yes. Yes, false, 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 false. You still must wait. You still must wait. False. Uh, okay. You still yeah, must wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Joey is right. So we actually have a triage system both at 995 in the ambulance by the paramedics and on arrival at the emergency department. Mm. And in Singapore, we use a four-level triage, priority one, two, three, or four, mm. depending on how life-threatening your situation is. Right. So of course, priority one, the most life-threatening, the most urgent will be seen immediately. But if you actually are stable and you have a non-life-threatening condition like a P2, P3, or even P4, you have to be prepared to wait mm. at the emergency department as there may be other more serious patients that are in front of mm. you. Mm. And that's the last question. Okay. okay. Wow. What's the score? I win. I IQ win. There was a man sitting on the side of like a walkway. This man was bleeding so much, right, that his white t-shirt is red. Everyone was just walking past him. They were looking at him going like this and they walked away. So I asked him like, sir, do you have any family members with you? And he said, yes, my wife and my kids are there. So I said, pass me your phone. And I called his wife and then we called ambulance. Yeah. I'm telling you, right, when the kids came, they went into panic mode, like really panicking. The helpers were panicking. All of them were crying. And even though I'm panicking, I know that we cannot panic, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot show panic. So we just stayed with them. But when the ambulance came, finally, right, the wife just started like urinating herself and she passed out. Wow. Yeah, so she just started. Well, and it's truly high stress. It's, it's really the most high stress moment in my life. Long story short, um, when the paramedics came, then the wife went with the ambulance. I told her like, this is my number. I have your children. Later, when you're done, hospital, you just call me. Ah, so the children with you the whole way? Yeah. yeah. You we try you and mean? calm them down, la, talk to them. I mean, the main takeaway is you stay calm. La. You stay yeah, calm yeah, 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 and yeah. then like, just do what you can to help and try to be a good Samaritan rather than just like, oh, I don't, it's too, yeah. oh, blood, I scared, that kind of thing. My cousin, right, there was once where she was cooking, la, then she sliced off the tip of her finger. It was quite a big chunk. Ah. Then like she kept bleeding. And then my uncle, he's the type that like no need to go hospital la, kind of thing. But she was just like bleeding nonstop. So after that, then they decided, okay, la, go go see doctor. Like go to the GP. The GP first, ah, so even though like already like gonna pass out already. <laughs> my cousin was already waiting at the door, like holding the her finger with like a, a whole towel and all that, right? My, my uncle still going to take a phone call. Eh. Then my cousin was there like like already oh gonna pass goodness. out. So after that, eventually got to the GP. GP said like, hey, cannot too serious. You need to go to a hospital. So then she went to the hospital, right? The doctor asked like, where's the tip? Then um, <laughs> she lost it. So my uncle was like, oh, why you need the tip? He said, oh, we can pull back. Because it was really like, I think maybe 2, two cm long. Wait, 2 cm is a lot. <laughs> it's quite, eh? quite a lot. 2 cm is a lot. So in the end, he went back home and then he had to go and find the tip and the tip was still, because she was chopping corn. Like she was trying to chop Oh my God, the it's corn. part of the corn. Yeah, so she, he had to go and find the, the oh tip. Oh my God. But thankfully, they still could, um, they still could reattach the tip. But I think because it wasn't on ice, mm. then there's like nerve, nerve damage and things like that. The tip is there aesthetically. It's fine, but, but she like, cannot, feel, like, cannot feel anything at the tip of her finger. I think your uncle need to learn to panic a bit. Actually, it's quite interesting. Like I find that Singaporeans are divided into two camps. You have the everything, every small thing also will kiasu, will kiasu yeah, and yeah, see yeah. doctor or go to hospital. And then the other camp, like my uncle that is like, 
emergency already still like never mind lah never mind lah it's okay put plaster take Panadol but I think the interesting bit also is that aside from CPR and AED there's also now basic first aid course which we are encouraging a lot of Singaporeans to go for also lah so I think that's a good life skill to have okay asking for a friend (laughs) who's the friend you are how often do y'all get prank calls so not not calls that like not emergency but people call yeah, you. Yeah, like it's prank really call, prank, like maybe like, call. hello, police ah, then hang up. Uh, once in a while, they have two spectrum. La. Mm. One would be really, we call it the innocent ones where young kids, they just call 995. Mm. Yeah, and then they put down. Mm. But there are those that are really, you know, prank in a way, they, they, they use a public phone number to call, mm. right? They, they will tell you the address, they'll tell you it's a, you know, a very bad accident happening there. Oh. And then you arrive, uh, actually nothing happened. Right? right? Then you call back, either they don't pick up or they pick up and they put it down. Right. So we call them ghost callers. La. Is this a crime? Like, do, yeah, can do they get fined? Yes, we do. We do. So what happens is we have a black box in our 995 mm. uh, operation center. Can so all back, calls uh. are recorded and mm. the numbers are taped down also. Mm. So if uh, there's a trend, sometimes uh, hey, this guy keeps calling all the time and then it's always returned as a false call, no sign of case. We refer this case to the police to investigate. In oh. fact, there are a few cases already which the police actually charge them to court. Yes. Right. So actually, right, in your, in for both of your the many, many years of service, right, what is the worst experience you've had with a patient? The gory situations are quite common. It's part of the job. Mm. Uh, but it's more of um, when you understand the lying, underlying story, sometimes mm. you get, uh, don't know, you, you hear the story of the patient. Mm. That's where you get a bit emotionally attached. Uh. As you know, SGH is uh, downtown near Chinatown. Mm. And I remember many years ago, we had a case of multiple stab wounds. So two gangs had actually had a confrontation okay. and there were members of both gangs that were stabbed. Oh. And of course, ambulance was dispatched and brought them to the nearest trauma hospital, which is, which is uh, SGH. And so we were dealing with two or three stab wound victims who were actually in quite a serious condition. Mm. However, when the ambulance brings the victim to the hospital, their friends will also come along. Oh. And so we had gang A following victim number one turn up at the emergency department. But gang B also following their friend with victim number two. Wow. And then the two gangs met in the lobby of the emergency department. And they were still carrying their parangs and their Parang. knives and all that. So we actually had a few frantic minutes where the gangs were roaming around the emergency department looking for their enemies and wanting to settle scores with them. And we had to, we had to call the police to come and, and assist. And it took a while before they actually cleared off. Uh, and meanwhile, we are still trying to save their friends who are, you know, bleeding and having severe stab wound injuries. Did they come in the same ambulance? Or no, different? they came in their own car Cannot, following uh, the ambulance. I don't think oh, they want to they be take, in the same They still take car to come. Uh. Yes. So actually being in this line of work isn't easy. You work long hours, you deal with life and death situations every day, and then sometimes difficult members of the public also. So in your own words, right, for both of you, what do you think makes the job worth it? My patients that motivated me to do research into cardiac arrest was only 20 years old when she actually collapsed. Good thing was that uh, at that time, we had just started our telephone CPR protocol, which means that when the husband called 995, we were able to give instructions over the phone for the husband to start chest compressions. Mm. We discovered actually there's a very strong family history of sudden cardiac death in her family, but we were able to save her. And the reason we were able to save her was improvements that we had made in the system over time, Mm. telephone CPR, having public AEDs. And she walked out of the hospital, went back to her job, got married and has a family now. Mm. Um, And this patient probably would have died 20 years ago if Mm. our system had not improved. So to wrap it up, what would you like the public to know about your job? Mm. Well, our job is not easy, Mm. but really we come in with a huge sense of purpose. 
is really to be there for you when you need us, your times of need. So always uh, trust us, trust the system. And then of course, help us cooperate with us. Mm. And at the same time also, important thing is uh, to call 995 if it's an emergency. I would add on that um, it is a partnership. Every life is precious. We can't do it alone. We need help from each one of you, right? So, I mean, it is uh, about educating yourself. It takes basically the whole community to take care of one individual. Mm. You know, we, the healthcare system cannot do it alone. The government cannot do it alone. You can't do it alone, right? We all need to work together. Thank you for joining us on The Hot Pot. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Me Listen. And if you haven't already, do subscribe to our channel as well. And of course, thank you to our special guest, Prof Marcus and Renzia for being here today. Thank you for having us. And if you want to find out more about what the SCDF does, do keep a lookout for a special feature coming out on CNA Insider in February. I'm a CNA Insider Insider. Wow. <laughs> and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. No context. <laughs> yeah. Usually they have to. Okay, so now let's hop, hop back, back to the to episode. The episode. <laughs> it's so cute here. Oh. <laughs> again, again, in sync, in sync, in sync, in sync. Okay, so now let's hop, hop back, back to, to the, the episode. episode.